0: Good morning, Faith Bridge. I don't know if it's possible to quantify emotion, but of all the emotions that we're experiencing in this crazy season, I'm inclined to think that sadness probably tops the list. I've had more pastoral conversations about sadness than anything. No doubt, other emotions are are operative as well, but sadness seems to be the, the, the inescapable rain that's falling on all of us to varying degrees. Uh, For some of us, it's just a light sprinkle, barely more than the dew. For others, it's a steady downpour. And still others of us have known thunderstorms that are literally wrecking our world. And the events behind the sadness range all the way from things like missed birthday parties to missed graduations to missed weddings, loss of job, even loss of life. The world would tell us, shrug it off, get over it, this too shall pass. But I think it's dangerous to ignore sadness because if we'll pay attention to it, God can use it to tell us some things that we need to hear. As I was preparing this message, my mind went to Elijah, the great Old Testament prophet. Elijah experienced his share of sadness, but he also knew the goodness and the mercy of God in the midst of it all. We're going to be looking at a story from his life that's found in 1 Kings 19, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles. While you're turning there, I'll give you a little background. In chapter 18, Elijah had his life-or-death showdown with 450 prophets of the false god Baal, led by the evil king and queen Ahab and Jezebel. And though the odds were completely against him, with God's help, Elijah won the battle. Defeated all 450 prophets. And afterwards, he was so energized by the victory that he ran 20 miles all the way to the city of Jezreel. But then we get to chapter 19. Beginning in verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, "'May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, "'if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life "'like that of one of them.'" Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. "'I have had enough, Lord,' he said." "'Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors.' Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, "'Get up and eat.' He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, "'Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you.' So he got up and ate and drank." Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. "'The Lord said, "'Go out and stand on the mountain "'in the presence of the Lord, "'for the Lord is about to pass by.' "'Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart "'and shattered the rocks before the Lord, "'but the Lord was not in the wind. "'After the wind there was an earthquake, "'but the Lord was not in the earthquake. "'After the earthquake came a fire, "'but the Lord was not in the fire. "'And after the fire came a gentle whisper. "'When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face,' and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. One of the reasons I thought about Elijah is the way in which his situation mirrors ours, our experience with COVID-19. Think about it. In his life, one moment, everything is wonderful, and the very next, everything's falling apart. In our lives, one month, it's February, and 2020 is great. But the next month, our lives are turned upside down. Even more striking, though, are the similarities between Elijah's sadness and the sadness that many of us are feeling today. We can see in Elijah three clearly identifiable types of sadness, and I think the same three types are behind much of our sadness today. Thankfully, God had answers for Elijah's sadness that fully restored him, and he offers us the same restoration today. The first reason for Elijah's sadness was just plain old tiredness. After battling 450 prophets, he runs 20 miles, and then he makes a day's journey into the desert. So no wonder he was ready to say, I quit. Few things can bring us down like fatigue. Becky knows if I'm down in the dumps, there's usually some physical or mental fatigue involved. Just last week, I saw a faith bridger at HEB, and I asked, how are you doing? And the answer was not so good. And when I inquired a little further, he said, you know, I I can't point to one thing in particular. I'm just weary. I'm weary of COVID, weary of homeschooling, weary of not getting out. I'm just weary, and I could relate. Weariness creates a sadness all its own but that's why i'm so encouraged by god's response to elijah you'll notice he doesn't get angry but he gives him some fresh bread some water and some sleep god is compassionate because god knows we are limited finite creatures he knows that we get worn out our weariness elicits god's kindness not his anger but there's something important here that we need to notice Elijah had to receive God's provision. Get up, God said. Come and eat. He didn't force-feed Elijah, and he won't force-feed us either. If you are experiencing the sadness of weariness these days, God has something for you, but you need to receive it. Are you stepping into the rest that he wants to give you? Or have you decided to just put your head down and endure this all throughout the whole COVID experience, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a promise we need to claim. A second reason for Elijah's sadness was his misplaced priorities. You see, Elijah's sense of well being didn't come from the Lord, but from his circumstances. As long as he was whooping up on his enemies, life was great so much so that he could run 20 miles afterwards. But when circumstances went south, so did his mood. When threatened by Jezebel, all of that happiness went right out the window and he wanted to just lay down and die. As one author says, Elijah was delighting in the wrong things. Instead of delighting in the Lord, he delighted in his own strength, his own courage, his own victories. But in the process, he learned a hard lesson. Only God provides happiness that lasts. Some of us are sad these days because we've been delighting in the wrong things, and not necessarily sinful things either. Things like our work, which certainly isn't sinful, but when work provides us with most of our contentment, what happens when COVID-19 comes along and we can't go to work? Some of us have been banking literally on our retirement years to be our delight, but where does happiness go when the stock market tanks with all our retirement funds? Maybe you've been focused on going to college this fall or back to college, and now that's in doubt. Again, none of these things are sinful, but they can become sinful when they are our primary source of delight. Could it be that God is using your sadness to call you back to Himself? To learn to delight in Him before anything else? Maybe He's using this season to help you reorder your priorities. I know that's what He's been doing with me. I had way underestimated how much I delighted in going to the church every day and being Pastor Dan, ministering to people through counseling, preaching to live audiences, going on mission trips. I was gaining more happiness from serving God than from God himself. Since early March, he's been teaching me the importance of Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what does it mean to take delight in the Lord? In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis gives us a hint, and I think his words are especially appropriate in this day Of social distancing. He writes, good things as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize, which God could, if He chose, just hand out to anyone. They are a great fountain of energy and beauty, spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you're not, you will remain dry. The key is to draw near to God. It can't be done from a distance. As we make time for God as we get to know Him, discover just how delightful He really is, our circumstances make no difference. If we're near Him, it doesn't matter what's happening around us, because our happiness no longer depends on our circumstances. Elijah knew the sadness of circumstances, but he also learned the happiness of God. So, He knew the sadness of weariness, he knew the sadness of misplaced priorities, and finally he knew the sadness of isolation. When he most needed comfort, support, and encouragement from others, what does he do? He runs into the desert and then complains to God that he's all alone. You and I weren't created to be alone. In good times and bad, we need each other. And some of us are sad these days because we're disconnected from community. We're not spending time with our friends, coworkers, classmates, and we miss them. Some of us don't even have the blessing of family. And maddening as family can be sometimes, having someone is always better than having no one. If that's where you are these days, this is a great time to get connected, even with quarantines and social distancing. Modern technology makes it possible for us to stay in touch and be there for one another. Becky and I are especially grateful for our Grow Group because we just learned that our dog Pearl has terminal cancer. Now, I know in the scheme of things that's not the worst thing that could happen, but it isn't fun. And we were dreading telling our girls. It was such a comfort to share that with our group in our weekly Zoom meetings, and know that they were praying for us. I know that some of you are facing far more serious issues, and I do hope that you have a support group of some kind. God did not intend for us to live in isolation. We're the body of Christ, and we need each other. If you're not presently in some sort of group, but would like to be, we wanna make it easy for you. If you will text the words CARE2020, to 797979. Again, that's CARE2020 to 797979. We're going to respond with a link that will help you and your family, if need be, not only find just the right group to be involved in, but also an opportunity for pastoral care. That's right, we're offering pastoral care virtually. I'm meeting with people over Zoom and over the telephone, whatever is most comfortable for them. But we want you to have the care and the community that everyone needs. Whether you know the sadness of weariness, of misplaced priorities, or the sadness of being alone, we care about you and God cares about you. God wants to meet with you at your point of need. And so I want to take just a moment now and pray for you. Won't you join me? Father, thank you that you notice the pain in our lives. There's not a single day that goes by that you are not perfectly aware of all of our moods, but especially when we're sad, because I know that it breaks your heart. I know that your love for us is deep, and so I pray, Lord, for anyone who can hear my voice right now, who knows that ache of sadness that your Holy Spirit would draw near to them, that you would demonstrate to them your great love. And if there is a way, Lord, that they can get involved through Faith Bridge, through some pastoral care, Lord, give them the courage to make that text. Perhaps this could be the avenue through which you want to provide that healing. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.